Welcome to Salabander Babies, your first and only source for Chakotay Janeway fanfic and all the other ships. All the other ships in the quadrant. Oh, yes. That's a good one. We'll the, keep, the whole fleet we'll keep of that. ships. I'm holodeck programmer Jen Marshall. I'm temporal timekeeper Mario Panaghetti. I'm quantum anarchist Jim Gold. I'm chief philosophy officer Lou Gold. And this is the Killing Game parts one and two, season four, episodes 18 and 19. After Voyager is captured by the Herogens, the ship is turned into a massive holodeck so that the Herogens can hunt members of the crew who have been fitted with new identities in various scenarios based upon Federation history. My memory of it was positive, which is why I suggested it. It also turns out to be timely. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Too timely. Who could have, uh, who could have foreseen that one? Um... But yeah, I, I like that one because I like costumes and 1940s hairstyles and Janeway in a white tuxedo. You like Tom's uh, 20th century I lingo? Like, I like nothing about Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so the the flip side is it's easier to hate him in this episode because he says some sexist shit. Yeah, seriously. Chipotle does too, though, to be fair. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, he's working within gender roles of the time period, but that doesn't excuse it. No, it doesn't. No. I do like the story of that episode slash episodes long episode i think it's one of the more interesting and thoughtful ones um i think you mentioned the part about how their holodeck identities are kind of interplaying with what's happening on the ship like uh seven is a they're kind of distrustful of her yeah they're all, they're all playing the same relative roles to each other tom and balana have this uh, relationship that's kindling but maybe they're not quite sure where they stand and then um Seven has, like, the mentor relationship with Janeway, but also they don't quite trust her. Like, I thought that was interesting the way they played that out. I think it'd be interesting to find out if it's a manifestation of the um, crew's actual personalities coming through. Like, Tuvok was very logical, even though his character didn't necessarily need to be. Um, alternatively, it would be interesting if the Herogen actually sat down and analyzed the dynamics of the crew and fit them into roles that they would be more compatible with so that they wouldn't break out of them as easily. Yeah, I kind of wonder, like, well, because I was thinking about that. Did they have some kind of Herogen counselor, like, study their character profiles? <laughs> I was just like, this is what they should be doing. Because they did mention somewhere in the beginning of the first episode, like, they'll do what they're programmed to do. And it's like, so did you program them? and all of the stuff that they've kind of already been doing? It's like, so, Tom, what's happening with you and Balana? (laughs) Give me the dish. Exactly. Or it's like, did they have, like, Neelix singing in the cabaret at first? And they're like, no, no, no. We do, we do. They they went through the entire crew before that alpha Herogen said, I like that one. I'm just picturing Neelix and getting up on stage and starting to sing and the Herogen just shooting it. (laughs) It happened again. Yeah, that's the outtakes. Yeah, I wonder if um, the reason they, I I think so mentioned previously, but the reason that they stick to their interpersonal relationships is to make it more believable to them. Like it's an entry point in the hologram, so they don't have such a a dissonance problem that they break out of the logic of it. Yeah, at one point in the very, very beginning, um, the, I forget if it was the main Herogen, but the Herogen that was talking to the doctor after Klingon Janeway got stabbed was asking if um, the, I forget what the device is called, that makes them think that they're part of the program, um, whether it was working um, properly because Janeway was possibly recognizing that she wasn't 
you know, synced up appropriately. So maybe being in a more compatible setting makes it more compatible. Well, they've literally made her a human instead yeah. of Klingon. She could buy into it more. Welcome to a scenario that you're actually familiar with from history. <laughs> yeah, could be. But, you know, the parallels even go beyond that. Uh, Chakotay was the leader of an alternate group of people who clashed with the, the French resistance group and, and kind of butted heads a little with the leader in Janeway. Like, like, they kept at it. Like, everyone had a parallel that worked from their Voyager counterparts. Chakotay wasn't part of the Maquis. No, he's... Wasn't... He, was in the Ameri- he was the American leader. Yeah, no. Was but it? he was still separate. That's what I'm saying. It was, no, no, it, was, no, it was parallel to him being the leader of the Maquis in Voyager. He was the leader right. of the American group in the holiday. I'm, it, I was, it was a joke. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> it was a joke. It didn't work. So a portion of the actual French resistance was called the Maquis. That's a good connection. Huh. They didn't play on that I didn't at all. know that. No, they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, there was, it was a reference that they that they created in Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine was a huge like allegory to occupation and yeah. genocide and stuff like that. Oh, so it was really just going off of the, the reference that was made previously. Yeah. yeah. Didn't play out, though. No. Yeah, no. I, I was actually... That would be cool. I had forgotten that Bolano was part of the French resistance in this, and I was like, oh, it's interesting. They don't have any Maki crew members being part of the resistance, and then they did it, so. But I guess it was easy to have Bolano be part of the French resistance because the actress needed to have her pregnancy covered up. Yeah, I try to remember where... I mean, obviously that's something on Memory Alpha, I imagine, but I think I read that when the show aired or something. <laughs> I remember it from quite a while ago. It's also on IMDb, as I learned while trying to look up random Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out there's only one Nazi listed on IMDb. And the other ones in... didn't want that credit, yeah. so you're saying. And the guy that is listed, the um, uh, Bolano's baby daddy, he also plays a Nazi in Enterprise. So. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He has, a, he has a really good Nazi look about him. So. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> sorry, actor. We're sorry, random actor. You did a great job. It was very believable. I, I did enjoy that actor's like motivational Nazi speech. And I know that sounds wrong. You did? I know it sounds wrong. I, it's not like it spoke Wait, to me the, personally. The one where he said like this convinces the Herogen to uh Yes, I liked that back. I liked that Herogen being like, I'm committed now. Like that's how he gets like that's impassioned. His, that's his epiphany moment. Yes. See, I did like that because I like that he had to give a speech that empowered the Herogen without convincing him to like be literally german like he was he was convincing him more based on his own racial ideals yeah and so they made a speech that worked on both levels and i thought that was cool Mm -hmm. i thought it was a very nuanced towing the line speech and i like the way that it was delivered Mm because it actually was i mean i'm not gonna like point anybody out but sometimes the um guest actors especially for characters that don't have a name this guy didn't have a name um but for characters that don't even rise to the occasion of um getting like a random credit this guy acted pretty well and like that's not always the case for once a week star trek shows so yeah, it was in a two-parter props to him i wonder if that's an intentional effort on their part with two-parters like if we're gonna hire someone for two hours of the uh, of showtime we better make him be good to watch for two hours we're gonna need you to read this nazi speech real quick <laughs> i mean i could it. watch crowley's dad just over and over <laughs> forever so it tells you exactly what you want to see i i was trying to think of the character name for crowley's dad when i was like trying to talk about a character that gets a name at the like space last scene yes whatever his name is space it's space remember uh forget nope <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter yeah, I don't think any of the extras have names. All the Herogen are credited as like Herogen, Alpha yeah. Herogen. Hunter. Hunter. That's a name, I guess. <laughs> Technically. <laughs> you could be named Hunter. That's a human name. <laughs> 
It works. It's an occupation for them. The occupation it's was an occupation. Yeah. To be fair, a lot of names are occupations. It's true. It's very true. Smith, Taylor. Schumacher. Yeah. Wait, is that actually Shoemaker? Yeah. yeah. Holy f <laughs> <laughs> You're named either after occupation or your parent, Robert's mm. son. Miller. Mm-hmm. Turner. The dog from Turner and Hooch. No, no, no. I'm like for an occupation. It's someone who drinks a lot, I guess. <laughs> the town drunks named Hooch. You are Hooch son. <laughs> what the fuck is this conversation? I don't know. Last names. We just don't want to talk about Nazis, I think. <laughs> That's fair. Let's talk about them blowing a hole in the fucking ship. Yes. With or, holographic or explosives. Or Klingon Neelix, either one. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, maybe that can yeah, be Yeah, let's, let's get into Klingon Neelix. So, I think, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. I think it was an improvement. Yes. I agree. I think he plays a decent drunk Klingon. Oh, like, yeah. for basically a weird one-off character role, it wasn't that bad. Except when he's bouncing around. Right. When, when he tries to work in physical comedy into it. Yeah. yeah I think good. his level of obnoxiousness kind of works better for drunk Klingon. It's explained Then somebody somewhere. you have to like look at and listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I I just liked that um, when he was the drunk Klingon and he heard that uh, Targ, he was like, I'm going to cook some food. Like Neelix goes to his comfort zone of let's make a feast. And it's probably tasting bad, but honestly, it's Klingon food, so whatever. Yeah. You know? That's when he wasn't playing Belle from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Riding through the French town. There goes the baker. Baguettes. <laughs> that he put the f***ing secret code on the inside of the label. Like, that's the worst place to hide something. What are you really? talking about? Well, so the Herogen f***ing pulls the cork, dumps the wine, and then looks at it. Like, I thought it was just an intimidation effort. He wasn't, like, looking for anything in the yeah. bottle. It was just casually he was, he was looking. He was mostly, yeah. yeah. He was harassing Neelix. Yeah. Well, I, which, which, to be fair, is a good idea. Yeah. Yes. Also... The Herogen knew he was secretly a spy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. So he has so, to play the role correctly. This, this this like begs like the big issue that I have with the entire episode. It's like the Herogen know the scenario. Yeah. They they know what's going on. It's like it they're they're all just basically just waiting for the fight to happen. This was the weirdest part about the scenario they chose. The episode Why don't they opens just fast forward. Right. The episode opens with a big Cleon encounter. I could see that making sense for them. Like, yeah. oh, it's just people in a straight out brawl. Yeah. It's a fight to the death for honor. Like I could see them getting behind that and, and getting that quick bloodlust fix. But when they switch to the World War II simulation, it's this very slow, drawn-out build where they hang out in a bar and they like intimidate the locals and they try to find the resistance, even though they know they're all resistance members. Like they're doing decent role playing, all told, despite their impatience. <laughs> but it doesn't seem to match with their ideals. It really doesn't. So um, here's what I'll say to that: is that the lead Herogen, who had the plan of creating the holodeck, um, basically utopia. Um, he ended up talking about his, how he admired humans' resilience and ability to come back from basically adverse circumstances. And so I originally going into this episode, I was like, why would you want to play the Nazis? Because they're going to fucking lose. But I think that maybe the Hero maybe his reason for playing the Herogen was to see the humans be resilient and fight back and study how they go about it in a more detailed, organic way. So I think it wasn't a let's have a fight. I think it was a let's have our subjects, our, our prisoners, try and overpower us and see how they do it. I think that 
this lead Herodian was setting his own people up kind of to lose as an experiment, and everybody else was trying to just play the bloody game. This, this is like, this is That's really good headcanon, <laughs> uh, but it's not very, I mean, it fits with what happens in the episode, but it, it's not really, it's not really explained. I mean, yeah. Like, there, there's, there's no real uh, evidence for it. Like, you don't have that, well, you have a conversation with the Alpha Herogen where he talks about, like, the theoretical aspects of their waning civilization. And that's really cool, but you don't have him explaining, like, I, I really wanted to just put humans up against the wall and see what what really happens. It was just like, oh, this is a really interesting part of human well, history. I mean, he did say that. He did say he was specifically trying to learn more about his prey, and he was impressed with what he took away from how they dealt with different encounters over generations. But I will say, I read the scene a little differently in that it seemed to me like that probably wasn't a Nazi losing encounter. Like, that wasn't the final stand of World War II. That was just some random takeover of some town. They probably would have won that battle because they're the Herogen controlling the program, and they're the superior hunters in these scenarios. I mean, I guess when I say set up to lose, I don't mean that the allies win necessarily. Although, I don't know. I feel like it would be kind of a mixed bag in terms of you had the fucking, you know, Americans rolling in. So it's not, I, I don't see it as clear, as so clear cut that the Germans would win. But I, I wasn't honestly thinking about like an overwhelming victory for one side or another. But I was thinking of it more as um, not like blocking or postponing them, but like just he's setting up his team to be stopped at every go just to see how long they could take it. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say here. Well, I think I'll build on that as well. And I think he was intentionally putting them in scenarios where they had like an equal chance of winning or losing. Like he, they, he explained previously about how dishonorable or, or kind of disgusting it is to him if you fight in um, a weaker prey. Like the, he was talking to the German soldier holographic character about him taking over and taking these trophies. He's like, did you earn this? Like, did they fight back? Like, what if you weren't in war? And what if you didn't have weapons? How would you do in that situation? Like, he was trying to create equal term scenarios because it also pushes his people to their limits and makes them better hunters and, and is what they strive for. They don't strive to kill everyone. They strive to best everyone by being better than them. And so they have to get better because they're not always going to fight an enemy that's that's weaker than them. The I'm... Voyager is. <laughs> <laughs> kick their butts yeah but begs the question why why jump into that scenario like what is it about occupied france that that seems like a really interesting situation from from that perspective i guess part of it is the resistance people dealing with their oppressors in their daily lives outside of the actual battle i don't know but that's a good question. The, the real answer is because they thought it would make for good television to have yeah. alien Nazis, because Star Trek does alien Nazis. But I could see it as being a situation where, maybe maybe he did see it as a situation where ultimately the Nazis lost this conflict, but it was interesting because they were a powerful force as far as, a, as, far as being combative. And maybe he saw an allegory there, like, the Rojan are powerful too, but we're basically going to hunt ourselves to extinction because we're not growing as a people. And this is, he, maybe he saw something of the Rojan in the Nazis. I don't know. Until the Soviet Union or the Borg comes in and just kills you all. <laughs> Borg scorched earth tactics. Yeah. Are you suggesting that the Herogen, like looked through all of human history and then picked World War II? He was picking several scenarios. That was yeah. one of them. He, yeah. Like, I think at the beginning of the episode, he's like, this is an interesting looking scenario. Let's try this yeah. one next. But I mean, like, where is he getting it from? 
Was he like going through a computer encyclopedia? It looked like it. Was he going like, hey Janeway, what's your favorite conflict? So <laughs> he pulled up both 359 as another scenario they were going to cover. So he was looking at like historical records from Starfleet. So to be fair, I have like five volumes of decisive military conflicts like in but the other room. Not so, everybody's like... as cool as you are. Oh, I think. Well, they also have 300 years and countless more civilizations, more history of conflict to go through than you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm like, I'm sure that if you like Google search on Voyager, you know, like <laughs> decisive battles of like human Voyager's history. been away from the Alpha Quadrant for a while, so they still use Yahoo. So. No. <laughs> They've actually missed the most important war in all human history. <laughs> search engine war. Oh, no. I was thinking, like, oh. after they left from the Delta Quadrant. Like... I mean, yeah, they missed well, most of the Dominion War. The Gear Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Linked below. The Kirk versus Picard Wars. Those generations. <laughs> it's true. Picard won. Yeah. Picard always wins. Truth. Yep. I do enjoy Janeway's sparkly white tuxedo. She looked good. Yep. I, I can't get behind waist-high pants. Like, I don't... It's uh, 90s. It's it's 90s, 40s. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of, like, our mom. <laughs> Janeway is probably, everyone's mom. Yeah, everybody's probably everybody's mom, mom yeah. yeah. It's like the SNL mom jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like the kind of Casablanca vibe they were going for with yeah, the next place. It's like Casablanca meets Westworld. <laughs> I, I really wanted Janeway to say, like, of all the gin joints. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at you, Duvok. That could have been yeah. a really romantic moment between her and Chipotle. Could have. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, they should have been the couple instead of uh, Paris and Bellana. I would have been pregnant great. Janeway. Except for the yeah, Bellana would have that. just been pregnant for no reason. <laughs> the, the like pregn- we're just not talking about the like, pregnancy thing. Did not have any reason. No, no, it didn't. It was literally it was, covering up yeah. the actor being pregnant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whatever. They so, should have just gone with that, for it. With that in mind, I think that was it. that was well done. Yeah. <laughs> like like I've seen how shows cover up pregnancy and then you just try to ignore it or have someone always lying down or at weird camera angles. So so I appreciate that they wrote it in to make. Make it easier. It's like we'll just we won't forget about or we're just not going to talk about the couple episodes where Bellana was fat. Right. Where she's just always standing at a specific angle Doesn't with a coat <laughs> that kind of drapes over and covers up the belly a little bit. Nope. The coat she never wears again. Nobody acknowledges it. She just had a couple really big burritos. <laughs> Dr. Crusher did it. Um, Scully did it in X Files. Yeah, and Walking Dead they did it as well. That's why she got abducted originally. Really? It, was, it was a three-episode arc where she wasn't on the show. It's because she went to have her baby. No way! I didn't know that. They're bad episodes. I thought it was just to make me pine. <laughs> I liked those episodes. Where uh, Mulder sleeps with a vampire. Yeah. And what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. But like when she comes back, it's so good. Oh, when she comes back, it's great. Oh, I'm sorry, what season is Mulder sleeping with a vampire? Like two? two? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I remember that He's episode now. Was the... Was Vampire the Sandlot dude? No, that's like... That's a different vampire episode. That's a way better vampire episode. (laughs) I love that That episode. That episode's amazing. Let's talk about that. All right, our next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that episode. It's like there's a big fire at the end. There's like the ex-husband or the husband or something weird. Love triangle, weird shit happens. So instead of salamander babies, we need uh, alien bounty hunter babies. (laughs) Bounty babies. (laughs) I could totally play the X-Files theme on Melodica. Hell yeah. <laughs> we got a new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we should just change everything online. All right, throw away the domain, change, guys. Change all the new all email. Hello computer at. Hello <laughs> computer at. Uh, at Bounty 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 Alien Bounty Hunter Babies. <laughs> Dot biz.
<laughs> they'll still turn mud babies, of course. <laughs> yep. But Voyager, how about the Voyager? How about like, the Voyagers? I, I want to talk about Tuvok. I don't have a lot to say, except for the fact that I liked him running around in the black turtleneck. Yes. <laughs> Just great. blasting a Tommy gun in the crowd. He looked great the whole episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> that white tuxedo, the turtleneck, him being Mr. Reconnaissance. I liked the costumes in this episode. Yeah, it's like, I think that's a lot of what drew my eye, in case you couldn't tell. I'm sure the costume designer had fun, too. Oh, like, yeah. oh good. No more yeah. black jumpsuit with red or black jumpsuit with blue. Yeah, you don't have to think of, like, weird Herogen armor. I mean, you do to a certain extent, but then it's just like, oh, 1940s, yes, I can do this. Let's just go into the closet. But also, and Klingons, and, like, a little of everything. Klingons are easy, though. Their setup is already done. True, but it's just a nice variety to see yeah. on screen. The Herogens look like a mess. <laughs> yeah. There was one Herogen, um when he retakes um, sick bay after shooting Janeway, where there's just a scene and I saw him and I was like, that outfit must be like four inches thick. He looked like a fucking inflatable like sumo wrestler outfit. It was ridiculous how bulky he was. Yeah. And they want to disadvantage themselves for a better hunt. Oh my God. How can he move? Yeah, no. That armor is not cute. No, it's bulky and cumbersome yeah. and ugly. Can you imagine Bumpy. showing up to your first day at work and they're like, so this is your outfit. You're like, fuck that, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> at one point I was thinking, like, why aren't there any, like, female Herogen hunters? And I was like... their boobs would be this big! Yes, exactly. <laughs> the boob armor would be awful. Uh, also, I don't want to, like get into Herogen gender dynamics, but at some point they do have to have more Herogen, don't they? Like, maybe there's a separation in their society where the women don't fight. I don't know. They don't go into it at or all. Or maybe they're just, you know, the women just look exactly like the men. They are all women. Mm -hmm. I choose to believe that they're <laughs> asexual and they just split in two. Yeah. Every 50 years, they just divide straight down the middle and then grow new limbs. Or it's like, <laughs> like starfish. <laughs> or it's like those fish that just change their uh, sex depending on what their group needs more of. Yeah, it's like, oh, need a lady. Yep. I'll switch. All right, it's your turn. Tag. <laughs> I did last time. <laughs> yes, I like gender fluid heroes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly, that's the new headcanon. I like it. That's the new AO3 the story. I don't even know where I would go with that. <laughs> It'd just be a Rogen sitting around like, I guess this is happening? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> I think we've lost the thread. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little hard with the two-parter, too, because... I wouldn't say like a ton happens relative to a single episode, but it's just a long episode. I will just say I liked the pacing of it. Yeah, well, I'm glad that this episode was a two-parter because they did manage to sneak a lot in there, and we got a good amount of time with um, like the world they were building and the holodeck conflict. We would have felt robbed if it was just one 45-minute episode. Yeah, it's, it's a big concept to wrap your head around. So one thing that was kind of nice about this episode is I'm trying to think if there was an actor slash character that didn't get a decent amount of screen time because usually in each episode there's like one or two people that kind of get you know three lines and that's it i think harry was probably the person with the least amount of action but yeah. he still was around a lot he got a little bit shafted but he had an important part <laughs> i bet he was disappointed he didn't get to dress up in costumes and do the holodeck stuff but but he died decent screen time I choose to believe that Garrett Wong actually put on the costumes and just ran around and said. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do it. Like, Garrett, we need you in costume. Hold on. <laughs> Chakotay's role was pretty small just due to his late reveals being the American commander. Yeah, him and Tom. Yeah. Except for Tom had the romance subplot. Right. And he got to say Gams. 
You know, he just wanted to say Gans. Gross. He makes it sound super gross, though. Yeah, everything he says sounds super gross. It's like, if you were going to see this American actress, which part of her would you objectify first? So, Harry got the answer because Tom's obsessed with Gans, right? That's yes, got to be yes. it. Yes. Like, uh, like I don't know. Even outside of the simulation, her he shoes. just knows. <laughs> I know Tom's just obsessed with legs for some reason. He tells me about him all the time. When he goes when he goes on the downhill skiing simulation, he just screams, Gans! <laughs> Sorry, I need to put some sunscreen on first. <laughs> Rub the old gams. He's like, stop saying gams. I'm, I'm seriously just about to tell you to stop saying gams. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it bad that every time I hear the word gams, I think yams? I also too. think yams. It's making me want yams. He's got a good pair of yams on <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one. He was entirely too happy to be in... in in that early 20th century. Like, after he gets his memories back, he's like, cool, now yeah, I'm just least, having fun. At least they acknowledged it, though. Yeah. Like, I don't remember who was talking to him. It's like, you're enjoying this. He's like, yeah, this is great. Uh, seven, I think. Uh -oh. I'm having a grand time. So and then he, he, says, he says some sexist shit to Seven right then, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like baby oh, doll or something. Jesus it's just like, she should, she should snap He's like, it's okay. It's period accurate. It's fine. So the safety's are on, right? <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Wait, whoops. They're at 50%. <laughs> So to be fair, who doesn't want to shoot some Nazis occasionally? Yes, all the time. It, it feels like it would be, <clears throat> to the extent that Voyager crew indulges in occasional um, <clears throat> safe outlets of aggression, I feel like... Yeah, <laughs> bloodlust. <laughs> Wait, do they? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Does that assuming, thing Voyager does? Assuming. Okay. Assumed. <laughs> assuming. I like, feel I like... Remember that episode? When Tuvok is strangling Felix <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> I'm just saying that they have this uh, holo program laying around, probably shoot some Nazis occasionally. It's like the Voyager version of Wolfenstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can just imagine uh, Tuvok going in as BJ Blaskowitz. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see Brad Pitt's and in in Glorious Bastards character show yeah. up. <laughs> Nazis ain't humans. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out the Bowie knife. Chakotay running around being like, okay, I need my 100 Nazi scalps. <laughs> I would love that. Somebody comes up with a Herojan scalp and he's like, yeah, okay. That'll do. Did this one suggest you should be, what was it, like a wind talker or whatever the word is for that? <laughs> yeah. I guess a Navajo that. code talker. Yeah. yeah. I guess Bellana would be the Shoshana character. In that. Yes. I would watch that. Yep. And then she becomes a pirate and runs away. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing how that happens. Yeah, but, oh, with the musician's expert, Seven. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. <laughs> That's what happened. They chose some interesting songs for her to sing, though. They were both boring and slow. Are they real songs, or did they just make them well, up they for the sung show? It. Well, yeah. yeah, but like I'm not sure if they're like you. Know, if you actual... write a song, it becomes a real song. Uh, it's like, like all words are made up. I'm not sure Turns if they're out. actual old timey songs or not, but I did not enjoy them. Yeah, yeah. They were... I think they made an effort to probably choose something accurate. I don't know. I mean, like it sounded period appropriate, but it was just. I was bored. It just sounded, it was just sound likes for like, you must remember this from uh, Casablanca. <laughs> I, I feel like they probably Slicing. picked whatever they had to pay the least royalties for. You're probably right. Yeah. What Universal of Rights do already through their music group. Yeah. Or they just did something original. Yeah. She should have sung some Huey Lewis or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was about to say she should have sung In the Mood, sure. but that's an instrumental song. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, 
breaks out an electric guitar and starts playing Chuck Berry. Your kids are going to love it. And that's what happened. <laughs> that is how, that's that what is, I remember. That's exactly how it happened. Why yeah. don't you make like a tree and get the hell out of here? Well, they wanted something for her to sing that was slow and not too technically difficult and something that would make her look sexy, which is not hard to do. I don't know why they try so hard. I feel like the song, like the first song that she sings where they're introducing it, it was so long. Yeah, it's just like, she's still singing. Like, yes, and they were taking advantage of the extra time they had to tell the story so they could have it play out. Yeah. I mean, they do set the, they set the scene well. Mm-hmm. And then you see, like, Janeway Cabaret pop up. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is my club. <laughs> isn't this isn't this what you see before you actually realize exactly what's happening with the crew? So yeah. it's it's creating more of a dissonance for the viewer, I think. Because you're seeing Seven do something very uncharacteristic, be emotional, uh, and then you're seeing other crew members appear in the bar, Tuvok at the bar, and, and like I think I think it's all designed to kind of put you in a weird space. Yeah, I would have I would have liked it though if they had, and, and they did this to some extent, but the, the song had a volume that was such that it was a little distracting for me, and I would have liked it if they moved the camera away from Seven, panned over Tuvok, got that done pretty quickly, and then I would have loved to see Janeway actually talking to those holographic, I assume they're holographic uh, people, about some random business shit. Because, like, I I want to see her being, like, a business person. Well, she's totally being Rick from Casablanca. Like, straight up, she's being the person running the show and kind of schmoozing and, and keeping the peace between the two sides without, like, taking a side in the conflict themselves. Yeah. But I just, I mean, maybe this is me just being like this, but I would have fucking loved to hear her just, like, nerding out on some shit that... You know, I'm, I'm sure she's very capable of doing trade, you know, agreements as the captain of the ship and stuff like that. But I just want her to go, like, full-on nerd into something. And you just be sitting there watching it like, what the fuck is happening? Why are they talking about cigars and this and that? She's really good at role-playing here. Yeah. It also could have been interesting if, like, that happened first and then the music's in the background and then the reveal is that Seven was a singer. Instead mm. of, like, yeah. hey, look at this. She can sing, too. I mean, they were showcasing that she could sing, too. Right. Like, like that's not only is she, like, TV. maddeningly hot, she also has some sort of musical talent. I think but, she did very well. But I think but what you said could have been, like, a really uh, cool reveal for it. Right, yeah. It's just like, oh, what is she it's like, doing? like, oh, that's nice in the background. Yeah, yeah and then you so realize who it is. Oh, it's yeah. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, would, it would just further that sense of dissonance. Yeah, yeah, instead of, like, look at what her agent made us do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Her contract stipulates uh, seven full-lipped shots <laughs> per... Uh... Yeah, we need at least two musical episodes per season. It's like, that's not happening. One. Like, okay. Oh, I want a musical episode. I know, we do. <laughs> Voyager, where they break into song and it's just Buffy the musical. A, a musical episode of Salamander Babies? No. Fuck no. <laughs> something like this. That would be red. I hate you all. <laughs> Um, Seven does sing in the show several times, though, which is... Yeah, the doctor sings Clementine with her, yes. which is super so, weird. That was creepy when he, like, triggers her to sing. Oh, I forgot about that. That's weird. Yeah, the other mm. the other episode that I was going to suggest, if we didn't do a two-parter, was Someone to Watch Over Me, which mm. is the one with Seven and the doctor are singing together, mm-hmm. which is probably going to be the next one that I'm going to suggest, unless somebody else does it first. Teaser for four weeks from yep. now. Yep. <laughs> Hang on to your seats. <laughs> For what might be. I really enjoyed that episode too. I enjoyed this episode too that we watched tonight. Yeah. Killing Game Part One and Two. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. 
What do you guys think of that one? Season four, episodes 18 and 19. Last I heard, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I, I, I really like this two-part episode. I like each episode independently, and I like how they fit together, and it's just an enjoyable story. Yeah, you get to see Starfleet doing heroic stuff, which is always fun. Everyone gets a little hero moment, it seems. Yeah, everybody does, pretty yeah. much. They all play a role in, in the Resistance. Does Neelix? Yeah, he gets to... Um, he rallies the Klingons yeah. to come in at the end. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so everybody gets their little time to shine. And he, he's a, a code runner, Baker, Arguably in the simulation. a bad one. Arguably. And he gets the code through. <laughs> that's true. Arguably, that's not Neelix, though. That's simulation. Yeah. When he's more capable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cool tech. Things that wire you into the, wire your brain into the holodeck. Why didn't they explore that more? I mean, it would be OP, and it's not even their tech. But... Because it's just a conceit to get everybody playing their roles. Where'd the Hirogen get it? Like, they're a bloodlusting society. They yeah. don't feel like they, they have much time to develop their they, technology. They don't have, they don't have holodeck technology at all, but they have these, they have like, these super advanced... Things. Yeah, they could have done a lot with that, like, if... So, like... Janeway wasn't, no, Seven wasn't able to remember things that happened in the holodeck, but if they had made it so that that malfunctioned and she was remembering things in the holodeck that she thought happened in real life, that could be an interesting episode or premise for an episode. Mm -hmm. That feels like an episode that would happen two or three episodes later. Yeah. Or like, yeah, somebody like catches feelings for some holographic character and then they start thinking that they're real. (laughs) Full on a balls for the Nazi. (laughs) I like how you went to like a romantic place and i was just like somebody has post-traumatic stress oh okay oh they're like war as hell <laughs> yeah they're like there's a holodeck <laughs> romance could lead to post-traumatic stress you <laughs> can go a variety of dire- a variety of directions with that you could make somebody totally um addicted to the holodeck and like that's just making it worse and people that happens anyway yeah but i mean that would just make it much more intense i wonder if any of the voyager crew were nazis <laughs> it didn't look like it it looked like the Herogens stuck people to their sides where it was Herogen versus Voyager. I think it would have been funny if there were some Voyager <laughs> Nazis and they just had to like live with the fact that they were Nazis for about a week. They're just like, uh-oh. <laughs> what did I, I committed do? atrocities. No, no. What, yeah, I mean, what if like the Herogen had them shooting each other? Or what if the Herogen were really interested in like human resilience so they put some Herogen on the Voyager side of the conflict it's like now you have to work together with them it makes you wonder why Herogen don't fight each other like if yeah if, for training yeah exactly like this hologram technology would be helpful to them to create training scenarios mm-hmm. and also it's like their bloodlust but they don't have to be it doesn't have to be them against humans or them against some random alien like they could do combat training I assume yeah. they'd have to to get good Shirts at fighting skins <laughs> I don't want to see the skins <laughs> they just look like you know weird salamanders <laughs> it's actually all moist <laughs> it's really rubbery. Yep, speckled. Or they're just covered with hair, like Elix. <laughs> just a rug. Just fur. <laughs> pelt. Herogen pelt. Nazi scalps. <laughs> I'm surprised the Herogen never met the Borg. It seems like they're, we're at the point in the show where the Voyager just went through, like, Borg space. Yeah. Uh, Seven's threat to them was pretty badass, though. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. That was awesome. <clears throat> Remember me. I very much enjoyed that. I, I enjoy it when Seven threatens basically anyone at any time. <laughs> That's true. It's also kind of like she's threatening them with the Borg, who she's no longer connected to, so it's kind of like 
My big brother's gonna kick your ass. <laughs> but also, does she think the Borg will win eventually? Like, even she does. She, she's yeah. no longer with the Borg. She's basically aligned at least with the human crew. But she's like, oh yeah, the Borg will eventually destroy all life in the universe. It's yeah, fine. I think that's, that's that is gonna thinks. happen. I think she's a realist. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, it's like the heat death of the universe. Yeah. Like, you know it's coming. It may not be for. Yeah. She's like, it's yeah. it's a long game. But the Borg are patient. They're they're um, aggressive, but they're patient. So um, another species dynamic that I was kind of thinking about going into this is I remember the um, holodeck one, I believe it is, that had the Klingons in it. And I was thinking about like comparing and contrasting Klingons versus Herogen in terms of the military, like what are the personality types or archetypes associated with those two species? Because they're both warrior races, but super in honor. Yeah, the, yeah. the Klingons have a code of ethics that they abide to, whereas the Rojans seem a little... I don't know. Like I'm not going to justify one of their actions over another, but the Rojans seem a little more single-minded, and there isn't this higher sense of honor in battle. It's more like, we have to kill you because you're not us. Um, A couple times they mentioned, so like the once when the, the Nazi guy is talking to the Rojan guy, and he's just like... So do you think you deserve this because yeah. you didn't really fight for it? Blah blah blah. Like you're, and then there was the other time where it's like, why don't you put the safety things back on? And he's like, no, because then it will be too easy and there's no challenge. Well, I thought that was interesting, but that also all came from the commandant character. Like we didn't hear any similar high-minded ideas from the other Herogen, like the hunter character, true. who just wanted to kill people That's for the sake true. of killing. Yeah. So maybe that's something they do have in their society, but he was like immature relatively. Yeah. But it also seemed like he was a higher thinker who was was looking to the future of his people. And so he, he did have some bigger ideas about how they proceed. Maybe he's trying to get to the Klingons culturally. Yeah. The Klingons probably started out like the Herogen, just killing. And so, then they settled into something that could develop warp technology. So I think it's funny because the, the Klingons are, you know, like you were saying, potentially a more evolved, mature form of an honorable hunter society. And they get fucking wrecked all the time. Not like combat wrecked, but like drunk wrecked. Like in this episode, they the Klingons were drunk a considerable amount of the time. And I thought it was funny that the Rojan were like, ew, wine. Like, <laughs> and I'm and I'm just like, now, do Herogen like to drink their own like grog and stuff like that? Or is it uh, is it more that they're just not into the party life? I think he also commented on it being synthetic. Yeah. Like, yeah. it wasn't actually alcoholic. The only reason the Klingons got drunk was because they were holographic Klingons. But I guess Neelix got drunk, too. I, I think, I, I mean, my feeling, perception about the way hol holodecks work, and maybe this is wrong, is that drink and food can be normal. Like, but it I don't can think be... it would be. Because, like, I, I'm, as I understand it, on the replicators, you can't get alcohol. You can only get synthahol. Right. Oh, okay. You can only get uh, non-alcoholic drinks, versions of beer and wine and other drinks. Except there's an episode where Tom is drinking on the job, and he's like actually drunk off of holodeck booze. Yeah, so, like... so the holodeck seems like a really bad loophole for this. Yeah, so... <laughs> oh yeah, you only get certain replicator rations, but there's unlimited energy on the holodeck just for fountains of wine. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with synthol? It's non-alcoholic. It doesn't. It doesn't get you drunk. What's the point? Yeah. Um, social bad. drinking. But social drinking is like is to get <laughs> is to get well, it's, almost. It's drunk. just to socialize. Like they do champagne and things like that. Um, they do establish another episode that Seven can get drunk on synthol, which is hilarious. Huh. She's she apparently apparently it does have some alcohol because she just has a very yeah. weak stomach. Because when yeah when Harry's trying to convince uh, everybody that he's a little shit, he gets drunk in the holodeck when he's supposed to be working, and Janeway tells him what's up. Wow, I'm amazed that they allow that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I 
kind of want to watch all of these. I want a super yeah. cut of the crew getting drunk. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you which episode it is, but I watched it, and I wasn't past season five at the time. <laughs> so. I mean, you have to be careful with Star Trek where people get drunk, because then you might accidentally, accidentally watch the second episode of Next Gen. Mm-hmm. Which is probably one of the oh, worst God. Star Treks that's ever been made. <laughs> it's just oh, so weird. I know what you're talking about. Yep. It's Everyone so, knows what I'm talking about. It's weird because the counter at Farpoint is really good. It's not bad, yeah. And it's then a, and then there's that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, which was actually ripped from uh, an original series uh, script. Oh. Uh, and they actually acknowledge it as like a follow-up to that storyline. But it's really weird also because it's the very beginning of the show when you haven't really gotten to know the characters and the actors haven't gotten to know the characters, but have to play drunk versions of themselves, mm. like right at the beginning of the series. I love chocolate and <laughs> analyzing people's feelings. I feel strange, but also good. <laughs> That's a line from Wesley, who gets drunk. How old was he? Uh, probably like 15, 16. The actor? Yeah. So, so he'd never got... Well, the okay. actor probably hadn't gotten drunk and, yeah. and had to play drunk. I don't know. This That's is sad. California. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I don't blame him. Like, that was just a bad idea for a script. Yeah. <laughs> and it was poorly executed. Yeah, no. I don't I don't blame Will Wheaton for any Wesley stuff. <laughs> I feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> Have we talked about Chakotay? Yeah, kind of. Do we talk about his great hair, though? Yes, ma'am. The handsome American captain with the hair. They Americaned him up pretty good. He looked like a World War II poster boy. Yeah, the (laughs) hair was great. He looked very handsome. He actually had an outfit that fit, unlike some people we know. (laughs) Poor Tom. He had leftover uniform. Yep. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, the sleeves were, like, falling off his hands. (laughs) Resources were short. There was a war on. (laughs) Tom is the wacky waving inflatable shoe farm fan. Send your shirts to the boys overseas. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. We only have stuff that fits people over 5'7". <laughs> I like how all of the clothing... Well, I guess it's not holographic because they walk around even after. It's not like they all become naked when they turn off the... The holographic... That would be something. That would be something. <laughs> I think about that sometimes. <laughs> It does seem like a waste of time for people to um, replicate period clothing to put on to then go on the holodeck to play act right, when they could just like hologram clothes over yeah, their it's clothes. Just like, boom, ta-da! <laughs> Is there just like a cargo bay full of costumes? <laughs> <laughs> no, they replicate and then and then decompile. But they're rations. Them. Can they send things back to the replicator? I imagine so. Yeah, I think so. I think in episodes they talk about. Does that reclaim stuff. the energy? Like, is it a... It's probably not one-to-one. Yeah, there's like, got to be some energy loss there. Like, they're putting less in than they took out if they ate food. Yeah. I like the idea of a giant costume closet in Voyager <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> like, that's Neelix's other job. He has to organize all that shit. Oh, that was like the like, doctor's closet. <laughs> just keeps these around just in case. The coat room. I'm just picturing Seven, like, in her alcove, like, stepping out, going over, <laughs> opening up a, a, like, door, and just a bunch of boas falling out. <laughs> Those are mine. Not again. <laughs> it's going to take forever to get them all back in there. <laughs> Nobody cataloged these. <laughs> like, did she choose her outfits? Was she like, this is a beret. I'm going to wear this. <laughs> and look like it just was posing in the pages of a 90s Gap catalog. <laughs> I oh, liked, the, uh, the flower print dress with yeah. the white socks. Were you gonna was she wearing that? a cardigan or something? Yeah. It was a yeah. cardigan and the, the flower dress song, but... that it was like buttoned down the front. I, I like... liked that outfit yes. more than her like lounge singer one with the weird silver and the poofy sleeves. I know that that's like sort of period yeah. with the poofy sleeves, but I was Fuck also that. a big fan of the black turtleneck with like the waist high shorts camo. with the <laughs> giant belt. <laughs> Just like black cat suit. Commando seven. 
<laughs> Commando Seven is best seven. Yes. Yep. I just want like a doll of her and all of those outfits. <laughs> <laughs> I think they made those. <laughs> You're basically asking for a Barbie, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. With a cool head. board yeah. thing over the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Board Barbie. In the hand. Board B. <laughs> <laughs> Salamander Babies product line. <laughs> board B by Salamander Babies. <laughs> so if you turn the safeties off of holographic clothing, do like necklines get lower? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a dial. The lower you lower the safeties, the higher the skirt goes. <laughs> the, the seams weaken. The more transparent the fabric. <laughs> It's an opacity slider. <laughs> you just got like a bunch of like a bunch of holographic dudes in banana hammocks. <laughs> no, when, safeties are off. When, when you turn the safeties off, you can get STDs from holograms. <sighs> that would be terrible. That would be terrible. <laughs> not what I. It survived. Not like this. <laughs> it makes the simulation more challenging. <laughs> So how come holographic bombs can blow up the emitters that they that create them? Because <laughs> it's um we're getting into some weird philosophy. <laughs> like when the moment the explosion reaches the emitter, wouldn't it just like not be there anymore? Because it's trying to get past the limit of the. the I can hear the writers <laughs> off in the distance dying. Yelling, yeah, di- <laughs> rolling over in their graves and because they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead. It's been that long. They're all dead. You know, they're all dead. They're like drilling their way. <laughs> like they lived a life of debauchery city. from their Voyager money and they just drilled themselves <laughs> dead. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, I wrote that. Glug, glug, glug. So it's like with the, with the safeties off, it can kill. It's like, okay, but the emitter makes it exist. <laughs> Where are the emitters located though? Because like if the explosion hit everything but the emitters, maybe it could break through stuff. Except I don't know what the like, I just is, yawned. Then... I just yawned so big. I think I'm Jim trying. yawned like through the back of his head. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I'm trying here. I would assume that I would put the holographic emitters on the holodeck. They would have to be within the room. I assume. Well, they're, they were putting hollow emitters all over the. They were extending all over the, the holodeck. Yeah. I'm, I'm just picturing the explosion taking out all of the stuff surrounding the hollow emitters, and it just falls to the ground and breaks <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> It's like when you, in Portal, when you, like, take a camera off the wall. I haven't done that. Oh, yeah. It falls to the ground. Yeah. But, like... Yeah. And then you can put it through an infinite portal, and it's fun. Surely yeah. there's, like, a primary one, and the other ones that you're replacing were, like, satellite emitters. That's, I don't know. Like, wireless access points. Right. That's what I assume. Mm-hmm. I feel like in the holodeck, they need to have at least 16, I don't know, a shitload, all over the place in order to hit everything. I mean, when the holodeck is off, you see a, a line grid. So I wonder if the emitters are along each intersection on the grid. Like, why else would you have lines on the wall when it's off? <laughs> like, unless I was just using line wallpaper. Uh, Jim's shaking his head. <laughs> While crossing my I'm eyes. See, I'm seeing how much Jim can shake his head. <laughs> he wants to talk about Gam some more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go around the table. Favorite part of the episode. Or least favorite. Those are very different things. Do you remember that like 10 minute scene where Janeway and Chakotay are talking across the bar? And he's got I really need to start running timers. American hair. And then she's like looking into his eyes and, you know, she's telling him the plan. And he's like, that's a really good plan. I mean, it's a two parter. So and any given scene could be twice as long as I expect it to be. <laughs> yeah. That was a great scene. Also, Janeway's white sparkly tuxedo. 
I really enjoy that. It should have come with tap shoes. I just wanted to sing like Welcome to Cabaret. Yeah, that. exactly. That's exactly who she was. She was like Rick from Casablanca and the Major D from Cabaret. It's a great role for her. Money. I could totally see Kate Mulgrew that. So I, I actually liked uh, a lot of the gunfights. Yeah. Uh, that was that was that was neat action for like a Star Trek thing. Like the the sequence where Seven and Neelix uh, in character are like going through the town, and two of the Herogen just like pull out Lukers and start shooting. <laughs> no, they start shooting at Neelix, and yeah. then uh, and then uh, Seven comes up and like also pulls out a gun and starts shooting back. And it was kind of goofy, but it was. It was also neat. Like, it, was, it was a tense scene. You knew yeah. they were they were acting against orders, and so theoretically they could have been shooting to kill or, or cause major harm. You yeah. never get to see them with guns. Oh yeah, otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And the guns go on the ship. It's so cool. Walking yeah. around Voyager hallways with old Lugers. And then in the uh, in the like big gunfight after the Americans come in and stuff like that, you have like Tuvok with the submachine gun, <laughs> and everybody's everybody has like M1s yeah. and stuff. And the Russian have laser rifles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the the um sick bay was like walking around with like some kind of handgun yeah it's like what <laughs> yeah yeah you have you have like herogen in like full battle armor uh, walking around with like 1911 yeah. just like just like shooting at people and then like janeway gets shot in the leg it definitely is an infinite ammo cheat code <laughs> yeah yeah that's true like the reload time on weapons of that era like actually uh he did do some reloading well it's funny you mention that because, like, in the in the scene early on with uh, Neelix and Seven, uh, the Lugers uh, run out and Seven runs out and she like she she ejects the magazine, loads it, racks it, and yeah. is like ready to go. <laughs> but then she drops her her magic grenade and it blows up all their weapons. Oh no, this is er- this early. Is later, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the magic grenade was. <laughs> I like that she could hack grenades like. Period accurate, perfectly simulated grenades with Borg technology. Like, what is it interfacing with? It doesn't. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the nanoprobes are. <laughs> and then, in order to throw it, she like jumps out of cover and just gets shot. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. well, she didn't say she was good at grenades. Yeah, that's true. Or cover. <laughs> Don't you need cover? We are Borg. <laughs> we just amass bodies and. <laughs> we throw bodies at the problem. Mm-hmm. It's an actual legit tactic right there. When you're Borg, yeah something that i enjoyed from this episode is i enjoyed harry being in like <clears throat> kind of a leadership position like he was he had sort the initial of, idea yeah, yeah he, he was the guy kind of stuck in charge for the crew that wasn't in because i guess half the crew was not in the simulations according to a statement that they made they basically needed to explain why there weren't a ton of extras involved so they had to say like that half the crew was like locked in their quarters or something yeah, so we only need twenty under, people for this simulation. Under I guess. lock and key. Yeah, but he was he was the one that they were like, this guy is not a fighter. Let's just put him to work. <laughs> or he was he's a technician, and yeah. like they needed someone to solve their technical problems. They also had an engineer for that. Mm, she was pregnant. She, she needed to <laughs> sit around. The actor needed to sit around. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I liked seeing Harry get a moment where he was able to threaten a Herogen face to face and then give a little bit of orders and look dirty. And he got to be like clandestine too, like moving the doctor in and out and, and doing this whole operation without being noticed for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Who would suspect Harry Kim of being capable of doing anything though? That's the trick. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. He has a very specific expression 
when he's like about to get shit done. When he's bluffing too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I get all gruff and mad. Yeah. It's like his angry face is not very convincing, but like he's sitting there making it the whole time and he's like <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a good thing he doesn't deal with the same enemy over and over again. Like yeah. we've seen this. <laughs> You're about to caution everything old is new again. Yeah. Yeah, we just watched it. The, wow. the last episode had a lot of Harry's angry face in it as well. That's how he responds to stress. Yeah, he just kind of frowns. <laughs> he sulks. He goes a little emo. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of like... He tries to brood. Yes, yeah. but like it doesn't really come off very well. No. There's not a whole lot of other emoting that happens. It's adorable. He is adorable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is. He's not much. Of, he, he's not a huffer. He doesn't huff. Things that we don't like about this episode. Well, I haven't said a thing I like about it yet. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> Continue TikTok. <laughs> I don't know. I just like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I legitimately enjoy this two parter. I think I'm glad we chose it as our first two parter because it is definitely one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, although part two, I feel kind of falls apart in terms of pacing and storytelling. Like the action ramps up, but as a result, there aren't as many interesting things going on until yeah. until you get the conversation with Janeway and the commandant, where he kind of explains what he's trying to do, and and she starts to sympathize with him. It's true that the setup is the more interesting. Um, aspect of the story and that all happens in episode one and then episode two is just kind of putting the pieces back together yeah yeah exactly like the worst like drama that happens in part two is just that the uh, the hunter goes against the commandant's orders at the very end and and the drama returns all of a sudden but like i said i think the pacing is just a little wonky there but um i like i like any episode where the actors are playing their characters in a different way so i thought it was interesting that they played parallels of their characters, but they also were literally playing like French resistance fighters. And I thought that was interesting. I liked Tuvok's performance there. I liked that he didn't compromise his emotional state. He was able to be like a level-headed character and no one said like, why don't you have emotions? That's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) He could just be like a human who was like that. Like I I try to think of like major moments that stand out to me in this, but I just, I like the premise and I like the execution. Like on a base level, it's interesting to see them use the idea of the, uh, of Nazi Germany as a, as an allegory for like the Herogen stance, and then also use it as sort of a warning sign to the Herogen of what could happen if they continue down this course. If they just become destructive, they eventually become self-destructive. Yeah. Like it's a solid Voyager episode and it's, I think it's a solid Trek episode. It really stands out well as as the ways that they deal with other species and other problems that they encounter. Sure. I definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah, I think probably if you ask anybody who's watched all of Voyager, that would be one of the episodes that they remember. Unless I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I honestly did not remember <laughs> coming into it. I, I remembered it, but mostly I remembered to cling on Neelix because holy shit. That's why I totally forgot about that part. <laughs> His face. It got worse. <laughs> so that actor has played a Talaxian, a Klingon, and a Ferengi. He's played a Ferengi? Mm-hmm. In Voyager and Next Gen. That was actually, I think, his first Star Trek appearance was as a Ferengi extra. Huh. He played a Ferengi in Voyager also? So in Voyager, maybe we should watch the episode, but it's kind of bad. They meet Ferengi who were trapped in the Delta Quadrant. Oh, the False Prophets one? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And at one point, Neelix just, uh, poses as a Ferengi to try to uh, to trick them to get them, because they they basically like cargo cult taken over a, a pre warp society, and Voyager's trying to get them to not do that anymore. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's another uh, connection to a next gen episode. The Ferengi were warped through a wormhole in the next gen episode, and so you encounter them in Voyager. Not a great episode, but he plays a uh, Ferengi, so he's versatile alien actor. What didn't you like, Lou? <laughs> Things that I did not like. Let me count the ways. <laughs> High waist pants. <laughs> That's a problem. But 
But honestly, the thing that kind of got me the most, and this is just me being like, how the fuck does this work? Is the holographic baby kicking the lawn? <laughs> I was just like, what? That was, I mean, I know it was like a throwaway line and it was kind of a joke or whatever, um, but that was really weird. And it, I, I remembered that line from like an early watching of it and I could not for the life of me figure out what the fuck was going on and it's haunted me since Just, every time I think of this you episode. You want the mechanics of it? Yes. She made a comment about it kicking? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I think you tuned out a couple times. I totally did. <laughs> After they get their memories back and they're captured by the Nazis Tom comments like oh is it a boy or a girl? She's like it's not funny like it's holographic but it feels like what she say like I'm 20 kilograms yeah, 20, heavier and I, it even I kicks. Oh it yeah. even kicks. Yeah. Okay. And it's like... Mm. I think they're lampshading that the technology just doesn't make sense. That's so freaking weird. What Highlighting if, it's a problem. Okay, so, on the holodeck, could, could the men get pregnant? Wait. I mean... Are you sure? Yeah. If she can just if have a pregnancy have a, belly, like, then so could they. If she can have a holographic baby... I don't think they put a holographic baby inside her stomach. I thought they just, like, it's applied kicking. it over her stomach. Look, yeah. it kicked that way, too. Yeah. I think it's just kicking her in the gut. Is it? So it's just like a. Pregnancy. I think it's like a mechanical leg that's just like smacking her in the gut every once I mean, in a like, while. If a bullet, like a holographic bullet, can penetrate a regular human skin, then surely they can like. But wouldn't that like, cause great harm to their abdomen? Doesn't <laughs> it not made for that? Does not regular pregnancy do that? <laughs> to a body that is developed for it over several months of time. I'm just saying. <laughs> bizarre this is like i feel like we're really getting into fake territory now we're talking about male pregnancy i like how i like how you're basically talking about like the alien chest burster in reverse like let's just have it i'm just saying the holiday could be a whole lot weirder than it is i don't want this I really think she was just wearing a pregnancy belly in the context of the show. No, I mean, I, I accept that as the most reasonable explanation, but it's still just like, what the f***? Why is this happening? It's, it's freaking strange. It's it the is. pregnancy belly from 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. <laughs> you going on a date, wear the belly. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to go see that American again? Wear the belly. Wear the belly. <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah, like, it That's makes perfect sorry. sense that they did that but it doesn't make any, well sorry it makes perfect sense that the writers did this it makes no sense at all that the hologram did the holodeck did this yeah. yeah like why did it just arbitrarily make a character pregnant yeah it's, it's strange that's because they're trying to like not draw attention to the fact that she's actually pregnant in real life but they draw a whole lot of attention yeah to like the fact extra that attention she's pregnant and why did it have to be the nazis why couldn't it have been like toms from some far off encounter like or, they had met nine months ago. Yeah, they and met they came like back before. For the they, war. they tried to make it a plot point, but it just didn't work as well. I mean, like, it I explain why she had a connection with the Germans so that she could get into the base and, and look at the code machine. Like, that was kind of the extent of its importance as a plot Anybody point. could flash their boobs at a German <laughs> and be yeah. like, oh, Can I'll they? get in there. <laughs> yeah. Tuvok flashes his boobs at the German. It's this way. It's like, you never know. There's plenty of people who'd be into Tuvok. Probably not the Nazi Germans. You know that. I mean, they're so like loud about it. They're probably like they want it. <laughs> I I I am formally disallowing you from writing fix that involve Nazi Germans and Voyager crew. I probably wouldn't. This anyways. has been vetoed for your Ao3 account. But uh, your Ao3 account is on watch. But holographic man pregnancies that might be. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> it even kicks. Weird. I'm just picturing in season seven, Balana being like, "Okay, Tom, you're going to the holodeck for a couple minutes here because I'm f-ing pissed." I gotta, See what it's like. I got the belly. Holographic labor. You did this to me. 
then like you could have the the woman giving birth and the man experiencing the exact same thing next to exactly. her. Like a neural interface. <laughs> just like feels the pain at the same time. They no, just fuck that. Just like pop a baby out through the... <laughs> just squeeze the, it through his stomach. Through the hologram. Um, to be fair, they have the technology... Well, the Herogians have the technology. They could do the neural interface part. I imagine that you can feel pain if you can have perceptions of your identity and things like that. Let's explore this. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go far enough with this. <laughs> I'm like, we're just figuring out ways of pregnancy torture for guys. <laughs> Is this what the podcast has become? <laughs> this is what the technology is designed for, I assume. I mean, like, they set it up. I'm just knocking it down. They did not set it up. <laughs> they set not that up. <laughs> That's not what I saw. They set everything around this up. <laughs> just like the pieces have all come together for me to assemble. <laughs> I'm just saying, if they didn't want me to go there with that, then they should have thought about that more. It's true. They would have to go to so much effort to stop you from going <laughs> to these places. Like, like, what's the blandest shit we can come up with? Like, You'd be like, uh, I'm on it. There's a ship, and they're on the ship, and nothing happens. The and end. And they're doing exactly. it on the ship. Five minutes later, Jen has weird shit. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Check the account. I will not be stopped. <laughs> All right, the ship itself is going to fuck some aliens that are in space. They've already done that. Yep. <laughs> oh, you're saying make it too weird to build on or just already go to sex so that it can't, she can't draw the path to it? No, oh, make, make it an actual Voyager like episode. They've done that multiple times. The one where Kes goes into heat. Yeah. <laughs> that one's so gross. It it's is. It's a really gross episode. <laughs> she eats dirt and she looks disgusting. She's got like weird, sweaty, ugh, she needs a shower. <laughs> yeah, no, she was terrible. Just eject her into space at that point. Just stop. It's awful. And Neelix is not helping. Misogynistic dick. <laughs> like, I didn't really hate Neelix doing rewatches, and then I rewatched that one, and I was like, fuck that guy. Yeah, no, he's the worst. But it's not this episode. Nope. Nope. This episode was this episode. <laughs> Thank goodness. Alright, did anybody hate anything else in this episode? Keeping in mind that... We generally agree it's a good episode, but was there anything that people didn't like other than waist-high pants and holographic pregnancies? Yeah, the choices of music were boring. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's not a major gripe. I mean, it's whatever. I wonder <laughs> if that's a production limitation. They're yeah, like, probably. we're doing a two-parter, but it's not like we have extra time to prepare for this episode, so yeah. we need maybe a song that Jerry Ryan already knows yeah. or something. I guess, to be fair, usually their music is, according to closed caption, um, dramatic theme music. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I hated anything about this episode. High praise from Jim. Yep. <laughs> that I don't hate about most episodes. There you go, there, you go. there it is. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, no, that was, that was actually it. <laughs> I mean, there's always the one thing, it's like in every episode where it's like, this is not logically the best course of action, but this is where this episode is going. Like, let's explode the holodeck with things from the holodeck. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, I mean... If you think about that for more than 10 seconds, you're gonna see through it. Yeah, that's... Th those are the issues that I have with pretty much every episode. Yeah, but that's Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. So, beyond that, yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, before the... While we were starting the episode watch, Jim and I were talking about, like, the problems of logically going back from a premise and finding it doesn't really go as deep as you want it to. And I think the Herogen are kind of a good example of that. Mm -hmm. Like, in general, they... Like, and to be fair, the episode does go into this, the fact that they're not a sustainable model of how to run a, a society or a species, but 
how did they even get to this point? Like, mm-hmm. how did they get off their planet in the first place if they just couldn't stop killing? It doesn't seem like a, a society that favors the development of technology and, and warp in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they get past, like, the spear phase? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it seems like this would be a false start for a society. The Klingons mm-hmm. have a similar problem, but... yeah but they at least have some structure that holds them together as a society. That's a lot of the problems they encounter with like, oh, the Herogen are all like this, where it's like humans are allowed to be diverse mm-hmm. and have different interests, but like the Borg are like, well, actually the Borg make a lot of sense, but like the Herogen <laughs> are like this. Monolithic species are, yeah. are just kind of ridiculous concepts. Uh, to begin with but they're kind of supposed to be like they're supposed to be these kind of pastiches of concepts so that this can be allegory for for human experience right but at the same time it doesn't lend itself to a lot of depth in storytelling exactly i'm sure there aren't a lot of fics about herogen because i don't think there's a lot to explore there yeah unless they're like some like you know shallow bad guy which is yeah yeah they're just so one note yeah I wouldn't be surprised if there were a fair amount of fix using Herogen as foils in certain ways, but like not, yeah. but not using them in nuanced ways. I think it's more like someone's writing a fic about Voyager and they're just randomizing the villain. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's Herogen time, it's like, which is how kind of the writers do it sometimes. Yeah, it's the Herogen, or it's the Vidians, or it's the Kazon, and they're yeah. all sort of interchangeable in certain ways. I haven't finished writing my Voyager D and D group fic. <laughs> But now I'm in my queue is now I need to write a Herosian that's nuanced. I like this. That's my challenge. I like these challenges you come up with. To... Mm. But... Jamie was kind of vibing with the alpha Herosian there for a second. Until he got his they can't all be shit winners. blown up. <laughs> I, bullets riddled in them. I liked that yeah. dynamic. I liked yeah. that he was like, she was like, you underestimate us. And he was like, holy fuck, I am. Yeah. And he's like, okay. There was like this respect that built from their interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which a lot of that came from his study of, of them as a people. And I think he realized that he respected them as, as a people more than he would normally respect Prey, who he doesn't have the chance to be as involved in and, and to learn as much about. Yeah, I, I liked their dynamic, which is not a thing I hate. It's a thing I like. <laughs> I broke the rules. Stick to the script. It's our rules. The thing I hate. Um, Tom <laughs> Harris. <laughs> Fair. Fair. The end. <laughs> I don't know. His his role was kind of milk toast, like it often is. Um, like his whole role on the show. <laughs> precisely. I mean, he didn't contribute much as a character in this episode. He was just sort of bumbling along, and he stayed on the holodeck the whole time. Yeah. He had a fun, uh, brief interaction with Harry, where we weren't quite sure if he was being racist, but <laughs> more likely he was seeing Harry's uniform and, and just thinking he was not an American or a Nazi soldier of some kind. I I had misremembered the scene as Tom being racist. <laughs> Because it kind of felt like it naturally fit with the Yeah, it's a good guess, honestly. Yeah. I'm just, I can see that. They just didn't want to go there. I'm just picturing him going to like a movie theater in like occupied France. Yeah, <laughs> buying a five-cent soda pop. Mm-hmm. Calling every woman he sees baby doll. <laughs> Which would be monstrous activity even in that period. Uh, he's gross. I'm just kind of imagining uh, like the bizarro version of Captain Winters from Band of Brothers. Yes. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> the total piece of shit. <laughs> yep. You know, he saved that program for later just so he can go back. Play soldier. Yep. Maybe he'll work on the tanks. It's like, these things need to be fixed. I'm the only one that can do it. 
Fucking trench, trench. Let's objectify some women while we're at it. <laughs> I don't like his nostalgia vibe. What's so great about the 20th century? Exactly. <laughs> like, why does that stand out to him? It's pre-warp. Like, it has no real significance on this modern society from his perspective. He just has this weird obsession with things that are retro to us. It could be that the, like, three or four hundred years in between then and now is just shit. I mean, so technically, far. first contact's preceded <laughs> yeah. by a world war, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's world War Three is in, like, the 2050s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could so all just be shit. It yeah. goes way downhill, and then we get in contact with the Vulcans, and then things go way uphill. Does anyone have anything smart to say, or are we just fucking done? If you you should have asked that question before we started I was recording. Say, that was something you should ask ninety minutes ago. <laughs> row, row. <laughs> Wait, who's next for picking? Is it I me? I think it's... by where we are on the table, it might be me. I think it's you. Shit. Yes! Uh-huh. We are watching an episode we mentioned tonight. Oh. From it... season two, episode four, Elogium. Which one's that? Where they have sex with the ship and You were doing so good. <laughs> I figure if we burn through the Kess episodes, the rest of our podcast could be all seven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Illusion. You monster. <laughs> all right. I'm trying to figure out right. like a nice vengeance episode. For... <laughs> you have to be careful. We want to enjoy ourselves most of the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks. One quarter of the time we won't that's really, enjoy ourselves. That's real rich coming from you right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you do vengeance, then we all suffer. Can you all down with me? <laughs> Prisoner's dilemma. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so this was Salamander Babies, which yes. is our you podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at Salamander Trek, on Facebook at Salamander Babies nope. Podcast. Nope. <laughs> the Facebook page. Yeah. It starts with Facebook. Facebook.com slash Salamander Babies. Yep. Yep, that's it. And uh, hold on. Tumblr. Shit. Tumblr. Tumblr. Uh, com. I'm just going to read it from so from a thing. <laughs> it's the name of our podcast on Tumblr.com. Yeah, yeah but that now, it's, now it's all like slow and weird. What is? My outro. I want it to be good. Oh, you expect me to edit this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you didn't edit yeah. mine. You <laughs> covered the screen. You have to make it, it was sound, great. You have to make me sound uh, smart. It was a great read. <laughs> I cried. I like, I like do it in one. That's our new policy for the outro. Mm-hmm. All right. Here this is go. all staying in, by the way. Yeah. Nope. Yep, do it in one. All right. You already did Twitter and Facebook. Nope, 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 nope. You did, I remember. Uh, it's on recording. Until then, this has been Salamander Babies. Show notes for this episode can be found at salamandersbabies.com slash one slash... Nope, 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 nope. That's like the script of the first episode. <laughs> That's wrong now. I told you not to read a script. <laughs> salamanderbabies.com. Visit salamanderbabies.com for the podcast link and to check out our other episodes as we post them. Yeah, but... So Twitter, the first episode. Tumblr, <laughs> salamanderbabies.tumblr.com. That's it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, computer and program. Oh, shit. No. Email us. <laughs> <laughs> computer reload program. <laughs> if you have any questions or comments, you can re- reach out on Twitter at salamandertrek or email us at hellocomputer at salamanderbabies.com, computer and program.